0: I'd forgotten all about Dawson's giant head, but um, thanks for reminding me. Guys, it's wonderful to be here and, um, yeah, look, we feel... um a little, little unqualified, a little embarrassed to be standing among so many uh, talented people, telling our story. But um, t- tonight really is um, uh, is really about what God has taught us through our different ventures and um, what our what our first principles are, and uh, some stories um, uh, that we've learnt from from failure, from from things that have been hard, and uh, and what we're up to now. So in terms of what we're going to go through, and if we can, we need to have a like a uh... Maybe a, a, there we go. So we're gonna we're gonna go through what's what we think the Lord requires of us, and I guess the way that we approach um, our, our sort of first principles in terms of in terms of business. Um, what do we learn from failure? And failure is a really interesting concept for for Australians, um, but you hear a lot of it uh, talked about in um, in startup circles and in in um, in, in new ventures. But um, our attitude to failure is is uh, um, is is a little different, but it, it doesn't mean that that isn't uh, isn't a challenge. And then, what are we um, what are we doing now? And then, what what role does innovation continue to have in the work that that, that we do? And this is this is not us up here talking for 20 minutes. If you got if something we're saying is salient and you want to stop us, just please uh, please do so. So I'll throw it to my. Um okay.
1: We're tag teaming a bit tonight. <clears throat> so. I was 22 and I was in Thailand and uh, hadn't spent much time overseas. This was my honeymoon that had been uh, very carefully and quietly planned by my husband. I knew nothing about where we were going. Uh, But what he'd done is he told the travel agents that it was our honeymoon. So they threw in all of this stuff for free. Uh, And one thing they they threw in for free was this five-course lavish meal at some... Grossly expensive restaurant that was uh, hilltop in Phuket, overlooking the beach. Uh, so grossly expensive, in fact, um, in you know Thailand, uh, where you can eat very well for for very reasonable prices, that it was empty, completely empty. No one there, uh, save for um, the cooks in the kitchen and three waiters, two lovely gentlemen and one lady, and. Needless to say, uh, we got to know them pretty well during the night and uh, (laughs) they got to know us pretty well. It did uh, end wonderfully with us actually moving the tables aside and playing cricket in a very fine dining restaurant. (laughs) I digress. Um, So what stood out to me um, and st- and stays with me to this very day was the encounter I had uh, with this particular lady. So she was extremely bright and extremely curious. She spoke English perfectly. Um, she engaged with us uh, and really wanted to get to know us. And at first it was just, you know, a waiter, diner kind of experience, but, um, but soon it became much more than that. And she told us um, what she was doing. She had already worked two jobs for four years to um, save enough money to go to university. She had another two years' worth of work that she needed to do. So she was working for six years in total, two jobs, to earn enough money to go to university. And to do so would make her the very first person in her entire extended family of anyone she knew to go to university. And I'm sitting there. I'm 22. I'm one semester away from graduating from a degree that I had very much taken for granted. Um, Grown-up, extremely privileged leafy north shore of sydney um and had that moment where i looked at her and i thought who am i that i am sitting here that you are waiting on me that i have just taken for granted I i get goosebumps even just remembering um because um but for where we were born um and you know but by god's grace i was born where i was born um And I just thought, I have done nothing. I've done absolutely nothing. Um, And, you know, those encounters just... um, They stay with you. And they are worth cultivating to stay with you because they are incredibly motivating. Uh, Has anyone looked up globalrichlist.com? Could you go to the next slide? Google globalrichlist.com at some point, if you get the chance to do so. Um... It's, it's, it's daunting. Type in how much you earn, sort of as a um, an annual uh, sum, uh, or you can put another. There's another tab where you can put in some assets, and it shows you where you sit uh, on the the world scheme of things. Now, I, I there's plenty of things that Aaron and I can't afford, and um, there you know, and there's plenty of times that we go, oh, how is it that we can't do X, have Y, you know, etc. And when I plug in my details, it turns out I'm in the top 0.07% richest people in the world by income. And it even lists me as a number. Um, what's more? It takes an average labourer in Ghana 751 years. 751 years to earn what I earn in one year. My monthly income could pay the salaries of 452 doctors in Kazakhstan. One uh, percent of my net wealth could feed a family in Ethiopia for nine years. And at this point, if you think I've got some undiscl- undisclosed lottery win, I don't. Um, that's that's just um, the facts of it. And I really encourage you to do it yourself. Um, and the passage um, that I'd like to share with you from Luke 12:48 is this: "From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded; and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked."
0: So we space jump to 2010, um, shortly after uh, shortly after getting married, Louise and I moved to Melbourne um, and, and were involved in a, a vibrant Christian community down there and got very involved with a, a group called the Oak Tree Foundation, if anyone knows them. We we're both too old to to um, uh, to be volunteers. Everyone's under 26, but Louise ended up joining the board and I ran their mentor network for, for, for many years. But for us, that really cultivated um, the idea of education being a tool that could help people get out of poverty and we um, we got involved with uh, with OM. I had served with OM twenty years before um, in India, but we ended up going to Myanmar um, and spending uh, a couple of months there um, teaching English. And we ended up uh, if you, if you go to the next slide, there we go. Very very cheesy cheesy photos. Can I just point out that there are no. It's very hard to get hair product in Myanmar. That's why that's why um, we yeah buzz buzz cuts. But um, Uh, We we ended up going and and, and teaching English and and Louise actually ended up doing some organisational redesign of um, an English language centre, the largest one in, in Yangon. Um, I, at the time, was working for an outsourcing company called Salmat. People might have heard of Salmat, but um, they were incredibly generous with, it, with giving me time away. But also, because I was sort of the CSR guy there, um, ended up raising some money. And so I took a, a, a reasonable sum of money over and we set up a, a micro-enterprise sewing school that supported um, women in a village uh, to then be able to run an orphanage. So they were going to make money out of making clothes and then um, that was going to going to be able to pay for the orphanage and the reason that you're using 1935 sewing machines that weigh about 16 kilos is the power supply in Myanmar is, is horrible and if you want to start a conversation with someone it's not who do you think is going to win the World Cup it's what's your, your your schedule like and when you say schedule it's when did you have electricity this week That that, that is one of the first questions people ask you in a, in, a, in a place like Myanmar so that was for us really um I guess, kept on cultivating this idea of business as a, as a, as a tool that could be used for, for good, uh, a, a desire to see social impact, and we both came back, went back into corporate jobs and, and continued to be involved in, in sort of CSRE-type volunteering, giving privilege to be involved in Aboriginal reconciliation. Um, but it wasn't until we met a... A uh, crazy entrepreneur from Queensland who had an idea to turn video advertising into a charity donation through a virtual currency that we really jumped into, uh, I guess, uh, a startup, a fully fledged startup, and that was in 2014, 2015. So, make some change. Anyone heard of Make Some Change? If you've got any questions about it, I have t shirts. The business is actually currently this week literally getting wound up. So, this is a story of failure. But we have T-shirts, and and before it failed, we actually had an amazing, amazing ride. So we launched... we Louise and I came on our, our 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 partner and Michael was the was the genius behind the idea and actually wrote most of the code. Our our involvement was on the commercial side of the business. So we raised money, got half million dollars worth of seed capital at a four million dollar valuation for a business that didn't have a single user or a single customer, based on PowerPoint decks. Which, if you know anything about raising money for startups, is is, is pretty is pretty crazy. It was about the time that Australia started getting getting excited about startups. Atlassian had had floated, um, Unlocked was doing things in America, Canva was starting to get, and, and we were this little you know, group of people that were the, the, going into into meetings that we probably didn't deserve to be in, and having partners at BCG and ex-managing directors of UBS tell us this is the best idea that they'd ever heard. Um, and even though it wasn't our idea, you, you can't help but get swept up in that. And I think, for us, if we reflect back on it in terms of our relationship with God, for me, it's when things are going really well. When things are going really well, that the, the hubris takes over, and that you start to believe your own press, and, and you can you can forget the, the God that, 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 that put you there. And you can also probably retrospectively put God into situations. So maybe it was just God that brought these two people together and they needed someone that could take it to market and they couldn't do it. Maybe that's us. Anyway, so we, 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 we raised a lot of money. We had marquee customers. We had some of the biggest brands in, um, in Australia and biggest charities like Salvation Army, RSPCA, Opportunity International, getting on board. And the basic idea was people watched an ad online, a piece of content, and then they got to go to this screen and drag a virtual currency, What wasn't cryptocurrency, um, uh, onto a cause card, so give someone clean drinking water for a day and then basically choose. So they had agency over where the money went. Um, quite, quite an innovative concept and, and, and um, it works really well. We had almost 10,000 users, but within six months, the user growth started to decelerate. We had hired for growth, so we, we had a full time staff of eight. Um, with modest revenue, we were basically burning through the capital that we'd raised. And um, Facebook changed their algorithm um, in terms of sharing. There are, there are a lot of things that happen, and, and, and basically we ran out of money. So, as quickly as we'd hired, we, as quickly as we'd, we'd walked into all these rooms, suddenly people stopped returning our calls. We weren't the flavour of the month. We weren't getting written up in newspapers or on telly anymore. Our our flame burnt, but it burned very, very quickly. And you can control a lot of things in business. Um, You can control your energy. You control your business plan, the model, how you show up, who you are. Um, But there's things things that you can't control. And so I think for us, as we sort of reflect on that, um, it's hard. Like, it, it, it... Pain is a really good indicator that you're learning, and it 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 was there. there were tears. There were there was disappointment. It it literally cost us um, a house deposit and and some. Um, and so I, I call this my two hundred thousand dollar t-shirt, which I've got some today. So we have we had the last box that we can we can we can give away. It'd be like an Atari t-shirt, <laughs> even though Atari went broke after a long time. Um, but um, so, we, look, we, we look back on our time um, and I think you can be tempted to shy away from failure. And I think um, our, our culture is, is has, um, has an interesting relationship with, with, with failure. We don't tolerate it from our sporting teams. We don't tend to talk about it. Um, but we look at it as a... As a uh, really expensive, um, but really worthwhile crash course in, in business model design because in, in in a business like the ones that you guys are incubating through Seed, you are doing all the things. Like you, there there isn't a department for it's 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 you and your, and your and your and your small team, and so you're making decisions, you're acting quickly. Um, there's no committees, you're moving fast. Um, and as painful as that is to have that not succeed, we've got to look at it with with with, with hindsight and think, well, in God's grace, no one went bankrupt. We haven't. We're, we're still here. We still have our health. We have we have uh, I guess an amazing amazing experience brought up from it. But that doesn't make it easier to sort of to sort of go through that. Um, so that's that's that that's been a really yeah a really interesting journey. But what it's done for us is it's 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 lit the fire under our uh, our interest to uh, to be more entrepreneurial, and I think I think we'd probably both. Louise well, probably more so than me, but we'd probably both make pretty bad corporate employees now if we went back. And and because we're used to doing things ourselves, we're used to moving fast. We, we're uh, our tolerance for the internal meeting and the committee is probably probably diminished. Um, uh, so I think I think it's been has been a, it's been a wonderful thing to, uh, for us, I guess, at that at that juncture. Um, any, any questions on that? I'll keep i keep going through it. So where where are we where are we now? Is that our next our next bit? If I could have the next slide. So I'm, I'm involved in a couple of So I, I, I um, probably, when we had our second son um, last year, um, stepped back from working like five days a week or four, four and a half days a week, and I work about three days a week. And involved in a couple of organisations, exceptional, which I know is known to some of the people in the room here. Has anyone heard of those guys? I think they've come to um, come to uh, to see it a lot. Big day for exceptional today. So uh, today we had the Minister for Innovation. At, Innovation, dis- disability. Ray Williams, the state minister, come in and spend an hour and a half of his day just with the exceptional team, working out how to grow the the impact of the organisation. Um, uh, this this week, they'll be announced as a Westpac Business of Tomorrow winner. They just got announced last week as an Optus Future Maker winner. They've got more awards than clients at the moment, but that's we're working working really hard on that. Um, what I love about that business is, um, aside from Mike, is a, the founder is a, a beautiful, humble Christian man who um, is 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 led by led by a mission. Um, what I particularly like about that business, and I have a brother who is autistic, um, so can have yeah, seen him him struggle with employment. So Exceptional, for those who don't know, does software testing and recruitment, employing people with autism, um, getting also into data and analytics, so outsourced data analytics and software testing and also placing people, and, and uh, in March was featured on the ABC show Employable Me that had half a million people watch it, and since that time there's been um, 700% increase in inquiries in terms of people wanting to work at Exceptional, so they've been overwhelmed with candidates wanting to come. They're building an app to assess people remotely, doing doing a whole heap of cool stuff. Um, But the fact that they're actually doing, they're actually focusing on people's ability and actually looking at unique skill, and and nine out of 10 of the meetings we go to, including biggest banks in in town, biggest recruitment companies, Telstra, all all the big businesses. they're seeing it as an opportunity. There's a CSR thing there, but really what they're seeing is they're seeing it as the ability to tap into a unique talent pool, um, which I think is... Uh, I've, I've always sort of been business first, yes, it has a social impact, and, and that, and then I think is, is um, uh, you know, in, in this case... Um, will see more of an impact. Think, I think make some change was all heart. And, and the, the business model wasn't perhaps as, as strong, exceptional. Um, the businesses that are talking to us and that we're working with, they're not employing these people because they've got autism. They're employing them because they're really, really good at uh, certain elements of technology. Uh, another thing I'm working on is I'm doing... A, I've started my own uh, consulting firm called Parola for Good, and I'm, I'm working with a group, a couple of different companies, but one of them is Australian Business Volunteers. They, they're in the social enterprise space in that they send executives, really senior people, people in this room, um, into Southeast Asian and Pacific countries to mentor largely female-led entrepreneurs um, and help governments and banks uh, with governance. They've just launched a program here in Australia to get corporates to to, to uh, mentor social enterprises deeply over a two-week period. And it's a pretty cool, pretty cool program because one of the things that often with you know we're even finding with exceptional is as great as our network is, you get lots of people who will parachute in and give a little bit of advice and then step back. But actually tend to see that through to execution, you know, the, the challenge. One of the challenges Mike's got is not lack of ideas; it's actually lack of hands to do the execution. The thing I like about this model mm-hmm. is they're actually working deeply for an extended period of time to actually give some, give some, uh, some advice and some impetus. So that's that's that, that's I guess learning from failure, and then what I'm up up to now. Thanks, Annie.
1: <laughs> um, so just. Uh, one more kind of reflection for me on the um, the failure piece, and that's that um, it's a it's an amazing opportunity when you're failing. It's that's it's an externality, right? It's something that's going on, um, but what's happening in here is so important at that point. And um, uh, for me, uh, the ability, well, not the ability, but the the necess- the need to keep choosing who I was going to be and what I was going to be faithful to um, through that particular journey. I think that was um, that was really um, significant, and I think that, that then starts to embed in what are the principles that you want to carry on and, and endure through any um, any venturing, any um, workplace, any choice of employment that you have um, that, that follows. So um, so now I head up um, APAC for a company called Everledger. Has anyone heard of Everledger? No. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so Everledger is known for uh, its work in the provenance of diamonds, and um, what do I care about diamonds? Completely nothing. <laughs> well, not quite. Uh, but uh, it's a really interesting use case. Uh, Leanne Kemp, the CEO and founder, um, had a background in jewelry, had a background in RFID and sensor and tech um, and in technology um, more broadly, and actually insurance as well. And she realized that these high value assets um, that were, uh, that show up in the market like this, all kind of bright and shiny and glossy, et cetera. Could you go to the next slide? are um, uh, Usually mined here, and uh, this is just a, an open cut uh, alluvial mine. And uh, in in Tanzania, uh, uh, and in fact, it's not mining diamonds exactly there. But um, uh, Botswana has a has a large um, proportion of diamonds being mined uh, in our Rosa in Russia, in Canada, um, across uh, parts of Australia, as you'd well know. Um, and you know what. Um, the Kimberley process that was set up in in, uh, in early 2000s aimed to address was the uh, enablement of legitimate trade and being able to prevent conflict stones from entering the supply chain. Who's seen the movie Blood Diamond? <laughs> horrible. Um, you know, that movie is a Hollywood adaptation of what is a very real problem uh, in conflict stones. And, uh, and the industry is also fraught with a few other things. Um... Certificate tampering, um, synthetics uh, which are posing as natural stones. So it's it's a fraud, um, and and what we are doing is using uh, blockchain as a way to codify. The provenance of those diamonds, we capture a whole lot of metadata about that. We create a, a digital thumbprint of that diamond, and we track and trace its its life cycle from mine to market, or mine to mistress, depending on um, uh, who's who's buying. Um, and that's uh, and that's been an incredible business opportunity for us. And that actually intersected um, another one of my worlds, which was insurance and insurance. Um, Again, it's probably one of those ones where, like, you're, like, diamonds, sort of, what? Like, how is that a social thing or is it even a social thing? But for me, uh, insurance is actually an extremely important part of um, the ability for societies to take risk. And it shows up when things go horribly wrong. Um, And it's, you know, we went to India right after the tsunami and, you know, the devastation that existed there and persisted there for long periods of time, um, you know... Was that way largely because um, the financial structures could not, were not in place um, to be able to enable rebuilding at the speed that was needed. Um, so, uh, for me, this brings together um, a couple of my passions, and um, and I think for me the principles of how I do business there, um, who I am as I do business, um, and. You know what's the um, the purpose of that work in terms of creating ethical and sustainable supply chains, um, enabling um, uh, funding to go back um, to original source providers and cutting out and providing some transparency in um, the mid market area where there's a lot of middlemen um, taking big slices of pie, um, and that's that's what I'm doing uh, now. Um, there was a question. I'll. I think we're probably getting close to the end of time. We're, we're nearly there. Um, that. Uh, JB put to us which was what's the role that your Christian faith plays in your working Uh, and um, I'd say it's 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 everything, and sometimes it's nothing. Which is, um, it's everything in that it's our true north for Aaron and I. It's why we have chosen to do the things that we have chosen to do. Um, it's a, it's a compass and a course correction. It's a hope when things um, are bad. It's a, it's a source um, and focus for gratitude when, um, when things go well, and uh, and navigating every difficult water or ambiguity in between. Um, but there are definitely times in business where, um, just like um, forgetting to eat or shower or do other basic necessities. Um, we do forget. We forget our faith. We forget um, uh, the God who brought us um, to that particular table or that particular point in life. Um, and uh, and for Aaron, I guess um, we've talked about this, and that happens particularly for him uh, when um, the risk of pride or greed get in the way. And for me, um, it's it's shows up as regret about not necessarily bringing an internal perspective to things, um, particularly human matters and dealing with people. Um, Business comes and goes, as we well know. Um, Jobs come and go. Um, Who you are stays with you. So uh, we asked the question right at the start, which is, what does the Lord require of me? And... um, the Micah 6 H passage has been monumental in our family, in our life, and, uh, and I love it. So I'll just read um, Micah 6-8. Uh, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy... And to walk humbly with your God
2: Well, I'd love to give an opportunity just as a, as a full group just to respond in any way. any questions that you have for Aaron and Louise are you happy to kind of turn your chairs around and um, yeah.
0: <laughs> they make good
2: sleeping shirts. i got I got one of these when they're only worth a hundred thousand each <laughs> so I could sell them now for two hundred could I is that yeah, Tristan.
0: So, I mean at one level so you're talking about how to sh- how like the the point to shut makes them change down yeah yeah so um, I mean at one level it, it, it uh, it's it's pure mass so it's 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 you you've got a run rate so we were we were we were it was 29 grand a month um, we we're burning through and we had X amount of runway so often you you you, you talk about Cash burn rate, how much how much capital you've got? W- what is it costing you to run your business? And and, and we we had um, we had raised some money, and and um, we had we had nine, ten, eleven months to make it work. Uh, we knew by probably four months that. Um, it, 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 we weren't, we weren't on the right trajectory and, and, and you're talking about month-on-month month growth rate. So things are happening so fast. It's not like you've got... You know, I once had a not-for-profit tell me that they, they need to think like a start-up. Um, and I asked them how long they had to, like, how much money they, they've got if they took in no more donations and they told me nine years. Um, um, so you don't need to work that, hard, that quickly if you've got 9 years runway. But we had nine months, so... Um, yeah, so we we basically got to the point that we it was just obvious we couldn't pay everyone. So as quickly as you hired them, you had to you had to fire them. Um, and that I mean, the, you know, you, you, like you're talking about people's cousins and, and friends that we'd we'd got in. So that was that was really really hard. Um, I think people though, people I certainly did. We 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 did. You you go into these ventures with um, with a, a reasonable idea of risk. Uh, but that doesn't make it easy when it's happening.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll distribute afterwards. You can come and yeah. stick through it. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. So, uh, so, uh, what made us decide to both go in? So, we were, in terms of we were, as a family, we were <laughs> boots and all in. Um, I have um, a, a, a frequent ability to um, to act like a duck. You know how a duck like, kind of swallows a fish and they swallow it whole and just expands their neck? I just think that time is like this elastic resource. And sure, we've just had a baby, no worries. We could totally do a business. We could do a business and we could do this and we could do that. I was doing a full time job of uh, working, which it alone felt like a PhD. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was. Um, that was intense, so for a risk perspective, Aaron quit his job to work in it um, for two reasons: it needed business development capability that he had and um, and also the work that I was doing. I felt like I could keep doing that at night and weekends um, as needed and and then it just um, monopolized our every working hour, um, yeah, so definitely in it together, but not. Um and the other, the other time you um, decide to stop is when you're looking at your income <laughs> versus bills, which was nothing. <laughs> and so you're looking at it and going, okay, um, how long can that? How long can the Mercer run rate last for?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's probably an exaggeration, but had we both quit our jobs, we we like we probably ran the risk of going bankrupt. Like we, like I, I didn't earn a dollar for sick for basically 2016. Um, I think I had more money when I did, did a milk run um, in the 90s than, than, than then. So, so it, like, the, like, there's a cost. But I, I think it, it was probably too high for us with it, with a young family for us both to do it full-time. You mentioned that you started... Well, you had a product. You saw this at the slide. We had t shirt <laughs> we, had, we had an MVP that
1: was high-res, too, too, too much investment. Yep. No, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. Uh, I'm thinking, as a Christian, um, one of the passages that have been really uh, influential for me is 1.7.14, where Jonathan and I are aware of it, and say, uh, let's go and take on 6.7.12. So yeah. Uh, There's nothing, nothing in the book. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a super question. And look, I'm in a startup at the moment, so I think um, I think. Uh, but you have actual customers. We, we do. Have. We have actual customers. Um, yeah, who pay actual money, not monopoly yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard, but that's life, and it's life in a fractal. It's a smaller form of what is you know risk that we take in everything. Um, to have kids, to get married, to take this job, not that job, whatever it is. Um, and you know, I think yes, we learned an immense amount, um, yes, uh, you know, God has used it as a refining fire, there's no doubt, um, and, you know, we all want to, we all want to say, I I have run the race, I've kept the faith, you know, and to say that, it's not about spectating, is it, it's about running, and, um, and I think, um, like, Hebrews also has this fantastic passage, like, we, um, our faith is, like, worked out through the tumult of that, um, and so I think, if you like it's probably my philosophy of innovation as well, like the the application of it, the doing um the the learning by doing um that's just absolutely what we're built for um so yeah, it really hurt, and yes, we learn a heap and totally go it again, different next time learn yeah
0: pro- pro- probably not um no, no, nothing to do with our 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 lack of faith in prayer I, I think probably where. We're wiser in terms of um, uh, just in terms of probably that rigor around the business model, and then just being um, judicious in what we actually, because we we, we put time uh, a lot of time, but also money in, so, a, so it's a double a double thing. So I think we're 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 probably a bit more judicious in, in trying to assess things. But look, you never get everything everything right. I, I to, Does anyone listen to Masters of Scale? It's a um, f- fantastic guy that started LinkedIn. He's got, got a podcast series. And, and they, you know, Americans are very open about talking about failure. But this morning I listened to the, the founder of Etsy talking. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he jokes about the fact that he passed on Etsy. He thought, ah, that's rubbish. Are people are going to buy handmade scarves from people in Connecticut. No, they're not. But it's, you know, it's a very, very successful business. But, um, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I think for us we're just... Um, little bit
1: more judicious now. Last slide, please. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I did put this in here um, because it's everything, right, the learning bit. Um, and this is double-loop learning, which is, you know, not kind of the what we do, what we get, what we do, what we get kind of... Um, course correction but actually going right back to why we do what we do um, and reflecting on that um and i think the like masters of scale um no it's uh, ray dalio's book on principles actually that's um come out um he talks about um the usefulness of pain and the way he's kind of trained himself to think um pain is a focal point for him for learning um and it is and it hurts there's, there's no kind of escaping it but like You've got a prickle of some sort, or you've got an ache of some sort. You've got to pay attention and figure out, figure that out. And there is singular parts of that. There is um, communicative parts to that. Um, there is, you know, the wider clan of the organisation. Um, and I, you know, do we do all that well? Absolutely not. You know, I think. Um, uh, it's been something that we've spent a lot of time on. Um, you know, probably the learning for me is that we probably needed more collective reflection on it. Um, but there were some things that happened for the business as well in terms of um, uh, some personal circumstances for key people in the business that meant that they just um, evaporated out from it um, at critical junctures as well. So... Um, so, And those things you can't plan for but um, and make it difficult to do that reflective work. But I would highly prize uh, that reflective work that's... Um, go back, why do we do what we do why am I doing what I'm doing, what are the principles here, what have I learnt, what can I what will I carry forward, what will I leave behind
2: do you, so you've done that in a business context do you do, you do that in an intentional way in, in life personal life family life
1: parenting <laughs> Parenting. <laughs> i mean um do i go to do I go to the gym enough? No, but like it's the same thing, right? which is um it's uh it's great when you do it and you feel uh that it's extremely potent when you do, so yes, I think um I don't think you get to. About two, 15 years of marriage? How long Yeah, about that. Uh, you don't get to that point in life as well without having built some reflective practices um, singly and collectively. <laughs> Can I help you with your double-loop learning? Uh, no. <laughs> um, but um, it's a practice. And so, like with anything, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. And, you know, if you find... What time do you create in your day? Like, I run headlong at stuff, and that's been my style. So, you know, for me to take a deliberate... (laughs) Only 15? Okay. Um, For me to take a walk up our hill uh, on the way to the station is really important. It's not just, you know, walking. It's actually the thinking and the opportunity to kind of process and do all that stuff. So, you know, what's in your day? What What do you make time for? That's, you know, a question for all of us.
2: okay we might just uh, shift gears a little bit um yeah i i guess a couple of just very brief reflections and that sense of um i guess the way i'd I'd phrase that is well does it work right and then the question we'd ask is is it aligned like is it aligned with that deep sense of purpose and identity and, and, and you know, why we do what we do um yeah and i think there. They're big questions that go right back to the creator's intention, right? And um, and so the deep work of formation and pra- practice uh, is is forming ourselves so that we know deeply what the creator's intention for our own lives is. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to, I guess, bring that out and highlight that. But I I loved I loved that just a bit on what you're currently doing in particular, Louise. And I can exa- a great example, I think, of... I don't know if some of you might be sitting here just thinking, you know, in, that, in that discovery space around, well, what am I meant to do with my life? And I think uh, hearing you speak about what you do is a great example of uh, a, a part of the world where we wouldn't traditionally think Christians can have an impact... Um, but it's so vital that they're there and the creative work that we need to do in those spaces to think about well, what does this industry, what do these, you know, the things that we do with these little diamonds, how does that affect our world? And it has deep effects on our world. And so I just want to affirm you and thank you for the work that you're doing and, and the kind of creative work that you've done to work through what it looks like to to, you know, to try and be faithful in that space as well. Um, so thank you, guys. I um, I want to, um, yeah, just shift the conversation now. And we've got a couple of tables set up. We've got some chairs around here. Uh, there's kind of three spaces that we've got set up. And the way we generally do this, and we can, we can be a bit flexible if we need to, but is that... We've got Kara here, we have introduced Kara. Kara works with us here at SeED, and um, we talk about the process, the kind of framework of designing change in the world in, in three steps, around discovery of God's, God's purpose for your life. Um, there's a design piece around uh, what is the context that I'm called to, and do I have an idea that I think needs to land in that context, and, and how do I go about designing that? And then we talk about growth, you know, we, we think if we're fundamentally on the right path and aligning our lives with God's purpose, then trying to grow the change that we make in that context is a good thing to do. So discover, design, grow. And there's probably people here who are at each point in that journey, um, you know, so you might be sitting here thinking, oh, well, I'm not exactly sure what God wants from me or I'm feeling a bit... Out of out of water, like a fish out of water, in the space that I'm currently in, and I just want to do some I want to do some work tonight around thinking about you know what next steps might be for me. Um, then Kara's going to kind of lead a, a little process and a conversation around that. Um, if you're here and you've got the the beginnings of an idea, but you don't really know where it's going to go yet, uh, then that's the design space like how do i take this idea and make it tangible and land it in the world in some way then i'm gonna i'm gonna sit at one of these tables and i'd love to um, engage with some people around that and then the grow piece we've got tristan here who's just a, a brilliant man a great friend of seed and he's gonna f- facilitate some conversations around people who are already got ideas that are live in the world but it's this ongoing process of refining them and testing them and, and and learning from the things that we're doing. So what's the particular point that you're at, at at the moment and how can we as a kind of collective community speak into that? So he's going to facilitate some processes there. So we'll do that for probably about 40 minutes and then we'll come back together and just kind of wrap up. But, yeah, it's an opportunity hopefully to move some of, the, some of your thinking and your ideas about where God's placed you forward over the next 40 minutes or so. And the great thing is we've got um, Louise and Aaron. You guys, if you you're happy just to fl- you're happy to float and ideate, and and if you want to grab them at any point, this is kind of just a working space, a creative space. So feel free to grab them and engage with them, and and we'll take it from there. Sound okay? So Cara, I think maybe if you're sitting over there, I'll go up the back there. If the people who are wanting to work on the grove piece just want to hang at the front here and make a circle, then we'll take it take it from there